Welcome to the CDH Conversations podcast. My name is Taryn York, an associate at CDH based in Johannesburg. Today we will be speaking with JJ van der Veld, a senior associate in our employment law department, about the decriminalized approach to conducting disciplinary inquiries. Welcome, JJ. Thank you, Taryn. Can you start by telling our audience about what the meaning is of a decriminalized approach? Yes. So the decriminalized approach to disciplining or holding a disciplinary inquiry denotes the idea that we find ourselves within a workplace and not within a criminal justice system. And that means that the, the procedure and process must be far less formal and it should be aimed at determining the crux of the dispute between the parties as soon as possible. Will be that we call in, in our language expeditious resolution of disputes. Where this approach is primarily aimed at lessening the burden that an employer would have by conducting disciplinary inquiries. As one would always have to remember that when you conduct an inquiry, your business is not doing what it's designed to do, which is to generate an income through its primary undertaking, which we all can agree is not the conducting of disciplinary inquiries. Thank you, JJ. And how did this approach come about and how has it developed over the years? Interesting question. So the decriminalized approach actually came about with the advent of the, well, now not so new anymore, uh, Labor Relations Act. In terms of the previous Labor Relations Act, the process was much more aligned to what they called, and now in case law, the criminalized approach to conducting of disciplinary inquiries. Now, how it developed was through the introduction of Schedule 8 to the Labor Relations Act and in the interpretation thereof by case law, judges through case law. And what the courts have done is they've actually developed what we have now traced and called or starts to determine decriminalized approach where if especially if one deals with senior managerial employees or cases where the facts or the misconduct is either manifest, common cause or not in dispute, or then you would have other circumstances that would also justify conducting the disciplinary inquiries by written representations which would be when people are incapacitated and unable to actually join these proceedings. Or when you have group misconduct, where in one case there was over 100 employees involved in a single act of misconduct. And the courts have found that to be fair if you do it by written representation. So in summary, what happened over the course of a couple of years was that when misconduct is common cause, not in dispute or manifest, then it is open to an employer to rather request the employee just to make written representations as to why he or she should not be dismissed. If an employee is sick and incapacitated and cannot join the proceedings, it's open to a chairperson or even the employer then to ask the employee rather to make written representations, again, as to why he or she should not be dismissed. And JJ, what are some of the practical considerations for clients to consider and value for our clients? So the principle is, if there's no real dispute about what happened, or if a party is incapable or unable, or it's impractical to hold that formal disciplinary inquiry, as we understand as a hearing, then it is open to an employer to actually just ask for an employee to make written representations as to why he or she should not be dismissed. And this option is often overlooked by employers, and they should actually start to investigate the possibility of using this avenue that is not used to its fullest extent at this point in time. Thank you, JJ. This discussion was very insightful. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. The views and information expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily present those of the firm. All content is provided for general purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. 
We make no representations, warranties or guarantees, whether expressed or implied, that the content on our podcast is accurate, complete, up-to-date or reflects the current law. We accept no responsibility for any loss or damage, whether direct or consequential, arising from reliance on the information which is presented here.